0: Hi everyone. In this series we've seen how whether it's more work or more play, neither carry the promise of satisfaction. However, I think that we experience our most meaningful success and our most lasting joy in the context of the relationships that we have. So that led me to wonder whether it's friendship, or dating, or marriage, or even family with kids, can relationships offer what success and pleasure can't on their own? Satisfaction. I think if one relationship has the best chance of doing that, it's our closest and deepest relationship. That's in marriage. So this week I'd like to ask the hard question of can my soulmate satisfy me? Let's explore that. When I was single, I remember thinking that whenever I found the one, I would finally find lasting happiness. That I would finally find what was sort of missing from my life. You don't really have to um, watch very many movies to see that I'm not alone in this thought. It's pretty common to think that your soulmate is what's missing and that once you find your soulmate, then you'll find lasting happiness. After all, that's why they call it happily ever after. Um, And whenever I met Monica, I thought to myself, it's finally happening. I finally found my soulmate. I'm finally going to be happy. The problem was that after we were married, I realized that happiness was just as scarce and that we made each other sad or angry just about as often as we made each other happy. So what went wrong? If my soulmate was supposed to make me happy, and I wasn't happy, did that mean that I hadn't married my soulmate? That Monica wasn't my soulmate? Now before I worry you, Monica and I are very happily married, but we didn't start out this way. And these were real concerns for me. And I think that they're concerns that a lot of us have at different times behind closed doors. Did I marry the right person? And I think that it's only natural to have these concerns because the culture that we live in promises us that our soulmate will finally satisfy us and make us happy. But once we're married and we're not happy, then it's natural to wonder whether or not we chose wrong. I think that this might even help to explain why so many are delaying marriage because they don't wanna choose wrong. However, we started out this series by acknowledging that God is the source of our satisfaction and that he doesn't allow anything else to take that role of providing satisfaction for us because it's our pursuit of satisfaction that drives us on to look for him and build a relationship with him for our own good. So it's no surprise then that even marriage can't replace God's role as the source of our satisfaction. What does that mean? Well, specifically, I think what it means is that this ideal soulmate who will finally complete us is actually an idol masquerading as a daydream. Now, please don't misunderstand me. Marriage is a gift from God that we're meant to enjoy. Just like work or pleasure from the previous two posts, marriage is one of life's good things that we're meant to enjoy. Proverbs 518 19 encourages us to enjoy marriage. But while we can enjoy these things, they can't satisfy that longing in our heart. What's more, if we look to work or pleasure or even relationships as the source of our satisfaction, that will rob us of the joy that they're intended to give us. Now we've seen in this series consistently that whenever we look to God as the source of our satisfaction, then he allows us to experience it. He allows us to experience it in both work and pleasure by making our success meaningful and our pleasure lasting. In both of those, what Proverbs 10.22 is true, that the blessing of the Lord makes rich and he adds no sorrow with it. The same is true in our marriage. Whenever we allow God to assume the proper role in our marriage, then his blessing makes our marriage rich with joy and he adds no sorrow with it. Now that sounds nice, but how exactly do we do that and what does that look like? Allow me perhaps to share how God did that in our marriage in the hopes that it might encourage you. Whenever we were first married, I felt that I had some needs that only Monica could satisfy. Now I'm not just talking about physical intimacy, I'm talking about those deeper needs of love, acceptance, and companionship. And whenever Monica withheld these, I felt that she was withholding something vital to my happiness that only she could provide. This idea actually was something that's reinforced by many counselors and books that we read. And I think for that reason, many of us believe that that's true. The problem is that the more that I focused on what Monica needed to do in order to make me happy, the more that I felt my own lack of satisfaction. You see, I thought that she needed to change in order for me to be happy. But like we talked about in the first post of this series, this is the very definition of covetousness, thinking that our circumstances need to change in order for us to be happy. It wasn't until I read a book titled When People Are Big and God Is Small by Edward Welch that I realized that I had set Monica up as an idol in my life and I was angry with her whenever she couldn't provide what only God can. So what does it look like to put God as the source of satisfaction in our marriage? For me, it looked like this. Whenever Monica didn't give me what I wanted, I realized that my own unhappiness was the result of my own imperfections rather than hers. You see, whenever we think that our spouse needs to change in order to make us happy, it's actually a sign that we need to change in order to make us happy. Rather than taking what, I, what was wrong to her and saying, here's what you're doing and here's what I need, I learned instead to take it to God and say, here's where I'm struggling and I need your help. Whenever our covetousness goes unchecked, then no one can make us happy. But whenever we lean on God for our contentment, then no one can steal our happiness. Now, marriage isn't the only relationship that we do this with. And relationships aren't the only thing that we do this with. Maybe it's on a small scale. I'll be happy whenever I get in shape. Or maybe it's something bigger, like I can't wait to get married, to start a family, to buy a house. Or maybe it's somewhere in between. Once I get that new job, things will be a little bit easier. Now I've gotta be honest, I have a thought like this probably on a weekly basis that the next thing will be ever so slightly better or more enjoyable or more meaningful than the last thing. But the problem is that whenever we take that next step, eventually we find ourselves thinking about the very next step with yet another promise of satisfaction for tomorrow. This is the trap of covetousness, thinking that we need just one more thing in order to be happy. We're coveting whenever our happiness is conditional on our circumstances. Rather than looking to something new to be satisfied, Talk to Jesus about where you are and why you aren't satisfied. He longs to help us feel satisfaction. He wants us to enjoy work, to enjoy pleasure, to enjoy relationships, to enjoy life. And he does this by his gift of contentment to us, which is a virtue that he develops in us as we discuss with him why we aren't happy and we recognize that he alone can satisfy our heart's desire. If you would like more content, don't forget to subscribe to our podcast. You can also find videos of our content on the Loving Theology YouTube channel. Visit us at lovingtheology.com to find all of our posts and links to our references. You can also subscribe to our email at our website or follow us on Instagram or Facebook. Thanks again for joining us.